get your Bibles out and go to Matthew 16. I know Lisa preached on Thanksgiving, so I can't preach on that, can I? I guess I could. She did a pretty good job. Uh, I know everybody's going to know what I got, wet. It rained almost every day, but the one day it didn't, I had two bucks, one at 35 yards and one at 40, and I prayed they'd get closer and they left. So um, it's always good. Let me tell you something. When we go up, Lisa's niece, the one that looks like Lisa got married, and I'm going to tell you something. When you see a picture of her, she looks like Lisa's identical twin almost. I mean, she looks like Lisa's daughter. Well, she married a boy named Morgan. That is not funny. And so now she is Anna Morgan. So what's Lisa going to do when her and Anna go off and they say, is this your daughter? This is Lisa Morgan. This is Anna Morgan, but this is not my daughter. That's going to raise. Anyway, it's funny, isn't it? You know, when we go up and I say this, I, we, it's always a time of ministry. You know, it's family, but Lisa and I have grown real real close to her brother's kids. And, and in some ways, it's the only real spiritual time they get to be loved on and ministered to. And so we spend time praying for them while we're up there. It's not that we never pray for them, but when you're there, you see things that, that need prayer. You know, and no matter what happens in life, don't ever burn bridges. You know, when, when the, wor- the world's attitude toward people is when things don't work, they cut relations. Don't do that. Find a way to keep that relationship alive. There will be a time they will need you or you'll need them. So whenever there's strife in a home, don't cut people off. Just stay in there and say, well, that's the devil. And so, you know, so the family up there has gotten quite large. I don't know how many of y'all went on Facebook and saw the wedding. Lord have mercy. It's massive. And so anyway, I got to dance with Lisa. They have a barn up there and so they had a, a, a barn dance at the wedding, so I get to dance with Lisa, and that's fun. And Anyway, now I'm back to reality, right? Take my dancing shoes off. We're going to talk about prayer tonight, and in Matthew 16, 19, I want to read. Let me read 18 here. And I say to you, and he's, Jesus is talking to Peter, you're the rock. I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock, not you're the rock, on this rock, the rock of the revelation of who Jesus is, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I think all of us in this room realize that the Catholic church took that and, and sort of decided that Peter would be the first pope. Peter's not a pope or the pope. And he didn't build the church on Peter. He said, he said on this rock, when, when Peter made a statement, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, on that rock, of the confession of who Jesus is, I will build my church. And he said, and you are Peter, a pebble. So, you you know, you have to twist the scripture really big to make it say that. And then look at verse 19, because this is a powerful scripture. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I've been pastoring now for, for 30 years this Easter. You know, you can learn a few things in 30 years. Yep. You can stumble on stuff. Even if you're ignorant, you can learn some stuff. 
One of the things that I have seen about Christians more than anything else is that the teaching that many of you received growing up was, I think, intended to be right. God is a sovereign God. Now, I don't ever want to take away from that fact. You read in Acts 1 where he's talking, where Jesus is talking to the disciples, and, he's, and the disciple says, are you going to restore the kingdom? He says, that's not up to you, but it's up to God. The times and the seasons are in his hand. We, we don't take away from the sovereignty of God. Um, it's a sovereign act of God that I'm pastoring in Apopka. There's no scripture in the Bible that says go to Apopka. So I had to pray, what do you want me to do, God? And I had to pray, and he showed me what he wanted me to do. And that, those are areas of prayer that we have to pray, and you have to leave it in the lap of God. But what we have done with prayer is we have left everything in the lap of God, even the things he gave you responsibility for. And, and learning where that divide is has been difficult for Christians because the easiest thing in the world is to make God responsible for your life and he is not. That means that there are things happening in your life and you're allowing it, not God. And those are the areas that if we don't talk about it, you're going to go through life and you're going to be one of these people to come along and say, I don't know why God allowed that. Well, he didn't. And, and I think some people get a little bothered by that because they go, well, I'm not God. Well, you're not God, that's for sure. But you are the parent of your children. You are the custodian of your own mind, of your own life. And yes, God has a will, but you have to pray. So I'm going to make a statement to you here, and I've said it before, but it wouldn't matter if I said it 100,000 times. People don't get it. John Wesley said, it seems as though God can do nothing but someone ask him. Now that is a heavy statement. God does not move at all unless someone's praying. Now you go, wait a minute, I happen to know that God. No, you don't. No, you don't. When things go downhill, it's because the church let it, it, let it go downhill. If America goes under, it's our fault, folks. And I know churches don't want to hear that, and that will separate me from a lot of preachers, but I'm going to stay on God's side, and you can do what you want to. But if my home and my family are not in order and I'm not here to bring condemnation because I will be the first to tell you that I haven't done everything right in prayer myself. I'm not going to sit here and point at you as though I am the man and y'all are the whatevers. That's not true. One of the reasons I know this is because there are things that have happened that I allowed them to happen because I didn't pray about it or I didn't pray about it rightly and I had to go back to God and go, please forgive me for allowing that to be in the mess that it's in. Now, there's other areas that we have prayed for. We have seen God moving, and I say thank God for that, and you have too. But one of the things is you can't live your life in condemnation on what you didn't do yesterday. So just forgive yourself, get over it, take communion, and let's move forward. 
Don't sit around and beat yourself up for what you didn't do, but don't keep doing stupid. If you find out it's wrong, change. Now, if you're not going to change, that's stupid. All right. Now, I want you to look at this scripture right here because Jesus makes a statement that's just, it's almost, the church has never understood this. I'm going to give you the keys. Who has the keys? You have the keys. Now, if I give Justin the keys to my truck, I don't have them. And if he walks, that's his dumb fault. Well, I gave you the keys. Well, Dad, I had to walk to the store. Well, you have the keys. Now, I didn't give him the truck. But I did give him the keys. God didn't give you the kingdom. But he did give you the keys to it. That, that means that whether that motor runs and whether that truck goes down the road and carries you or not is, is up to you. But he made a statement, what you're allowing, I will allow. And what you forbid, I will forbid. Another translation makes the statement, what you're forbidding must be what is already forbidden. In other words, I was, Lisa and I were praying for a lady with Willis a while ago down at um, Panera Bread. And... Um, I looked at her and I said, what are you going to do with this prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we were praying for her to be healed. And I said, are there sick people in heaven? She said, no. I said, you shouldn't be either. Why are we allowing something that's not allowed in heaven? Because of the teaching that God is doing this to teach me. Well, if he is, he's got a lot of stupid people in the hospital. In other words, his plan isn't working real good, is it? Well, that's wrong teaching. You can't find the funny thing about that teaching, you can't even find it anywhere in the Bible, but it's a major doctrine. I mean, it's not even one place in your Bible. And yet it's a major doctrine. Jesus went around doing good and healing all. How many? All that were oppressed of the devil. Of who? The devil. And people still don't know the difference between God and the devil. If it's bad, it's the devil. If it's good, it's God. And that's pretty simple theology, isn't it? All right, now having said this, Jesus is making a statement here, whatever you allow. That, that means that there are things going on in our life that God wants you to talk to him about it. Now, I'm going to tell you where I learned this, and I've heard, many of you have heard me tell the story, but I'm going to tell it to you again, because I found out repetition doesn't hurt you. Well, when I was in Tulsa, the Lord would not let me come in other words, he wouldn't even tell me where I was going to go preach when I graduated from Bible school. He said, he, he, he said to me, he said, I, I, I was praying about my ministry. He said, well, the people you're working with aren't saved. And I said, well, so, so? I, I'm, I'm praying about ministry. <laughs> what does that tell you about what's going on in my dumb head? Okay. No, I don't care about people. I just want to know about a pulpit someplace. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I got corrected real fast. So he told me until my, my boss Jan and her husband Scott got saved, I wasn't leaving Tulsa. I said, that's not fair. I came out here to go to Bible school, and now you're putting a prerequisite. He said, well, if you can't get them saved, why would I send you anywhere? I went, well, uh, it's called test. Anyway, so, I'm, so I go every day and start praying for Jan's salvation. Jan's Italian. Have y'all ever met Italians? They talk with their mouth, their hands, everything. And they don't even talk. And she was not the nicest boss in the world. I did everything I could to avoid her, much less get her saved. So anyway, I went off and every day and I started praying for Jan. And I remember one afternoon, I'm praying for her salvation. I'm praying like this. Heavenly Father, Jesus died on the cross for Jan. 
and I'm coming to you and asking you to draw Jan to yourself and send somebody across your path to talk to her about Jesus. And the Lord said to me, he said, ask me to get her to church. Now, that changed my life. God asked me to ask him. Why? Because he needed me to. And not only did, now I asked him, I said, get her to church. She went to Grace Fellowship the next Sunday. Three weeks later, she got born again. And then I led Scott the Lord. And then I led uh, Ron, their friend of the Lord, and everybody else I worked with the Lord. And then he turned me loose and sent me to Orlando. Now, but it never left me that he asked me to ask him, which meant that he was waiting on me to ask him. And so the, the, the question arises, why would the God of the universe need us to do anything? Because in his sovereignty, he gave you and I the authority. He gave the earth to Adam. He, when, whenever Adam lost it, God was on the outside looking in, guys. He had to cut a covenant with Abraham to get a body, to get back in the earth. And so, so God is dependent on his church to pray. It's not that we're talking him into anything. He's already in the notion to do everything you, but he still needs you to ask him. So we are co-laborers together with him. So prayer is not laborious. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a, a duty. It's not this, this laborious duty that we have to do in order to appease God. In other words, sometimes, and we'll get into the time element in a minute. He taught me some things about time in a minute. But, but, there's a, but, but he just needs you to ask him some things. So prayer becomes fun. Where you get to sit down and say, Heavenly Father, I want to praise you and give you glory and honor. for, And now I'm going to ask you some things about our church, Word of Life Church. I'm going to ask you to give the people in our church a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask you to send the Holy Spirit to help me preach tonight. I'm going to ask you. And see, he's willing to do it. And now you may think, well, he doesn't have to ask. you. You're not telling him what to do. I'm not telling him anything. Well, you can own a home, and if you lease it out, you got to ask to go in. That may, the police can knock on your door, but they're not coming in without permission. God's a gentleman. He's not in your life except what you ask. It's not that he's not God. It's just that he's a gentleman, and he's not going to do something you don't care or bother to talk to him about. Now, that I just unloaded a mouthful on y'all. I got invited to the Republican uh, prayer breakfast here in Orlando last year. And I walked into the prayer breakfast. There's Republicans everywhere. There's a big Republican meeting there, and they're having a prayer meeting. And I stood up and I said, um, can God do anything? And everyone said yes, which is correct, incorrect. But everyone always says yes when I ask that question. 100% of the time, when I ask that question, 100%, they say yes. Because they've been brainwashed to believe that God, well, he can, but he won't. So I said, well, then let me ask you a question. What would you do if I told you three things God can't do? Well, they're all looking at me like I've lost my head. 
But they're waiting on me to say something because they're thinking, well, you got our attention for sure. I said, well, in Titus 1, 2, he can't lie. And they all go, we knew that. And I go, well, duh. I ask you if there's things he can't do. And you said he can do anything. And I said, he can't. And I said, y'all understand. And they're waiting on number two because number two, you know, we're not going to get a number two. Number two is going to be the big. And I said, he can't die. And they go, yeah, we knew that. (laughs) And they're kind of scratching their head like, yeah, we believe that. And I go, yeah, I knew you'd believe it. But you're not thinking. Number three, it's the biggie. He cannot violate his own word. In other words, let let me tell you, let me explain this to you. If he said that Jesus is the way, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, he cannot tell you no when you come to him. Can he? Come on, y'all don't get, ex- don't get religious on me. You go to God and say, I have a friend here. Terry wants to get born again tonight. Pray with me. And God goes, not tonight. Tell him to come back tomorrow. I'm God. <laughs> Can he do that? No. no, no, he can't. And see, that's the one area that we've screwed this whole sovereignty thing up because in his sovereignty, he said Jesus is the way. In his sovereignty, he made us responsible for some things that we needed to pray about. That is a sovereign act of God, but he isn't moving if you don't ask. You can do anything you want to with that. You can leave and go, well, I don't agree with that. And you'll just be without all your life because he's not going to answer a prayer you don't ask him. That's a powerful statement. If, if we knew this and understood this, well, we'd be way along. Now go to Ephesians chapter 6. You wonder if I was ever going to read a second scripture tonight, didn't you? I do a lot more praying, and my, my prayer tonight is that God would use this church to become a praying church. Now, where I'm going with this is we need to pray over these elections. And where I'm going with this is we need to pray over America. And that's my goal of tonight. If you want to know why I'm preaching this, it's not just to preach a message. We cannot sit back and allow the devil to, to run roughshod over this nation. The Bible says we're not wrestling in flesh and blood. You and I have got an enemy, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, and you and I have authority over him, and we need to start praying the right people in office and the wrong people out of office, and it's going to take the church to do that. There's also things that need to get prayed for. Now, I want you to understand something. We have this crazy idea, and every, every preacher does it. I don't every doesn't do it, but they do it, and I wish they didn't do it. We need a 1,000 people to pray over the president. No, you do not. How many people prayed and talked to God about Sodom and Gomorrah? One. All right, then why does God, well, let me go back to my statement. I didn't finish it. The reason they do that is to get a 1,000 people on their mailing list. That's just a, that's just a bunch of crud. That's just stupid. Okay. Why does God need a thousand people praying? Because I don't know who you know. I have, I, like I just told you all ago, I have my family. I have you. But I don't know the people you know. I don't know who Catherine knows. And I'm certainly not going to stay up all night praying over Catherine's whole family. That's Catherine's, that's Catherine's responsibility. 
Are y'all, I mean, I'm not going to. As much as you may think you hired me with your tithe to do it, I, you didn't, and, I, and, and I'm not going to, and you can't put enough money in the offering to get me to do all your praying for you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> may, may make you mad. I don't care for you. But it's funny how people think that the, that's the pastor's job. It's not my job. My job is to teach you to do your job. And that's your job. Okay, are y'all out there? Did you go home? Okay. So, so I want to read this to you in the, book, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 17. It says, take the helmet of salvation. And if you, when you read this, it's actually talking about prayer armor, and I don't have time to get into that. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit being watchful to this end with perseverance and supplication for all saints. The literal Greek, and it says in some translations, all kinds of prayer. Now listen, that means that there are kinds of prayer. That means that not all prayer is prayer. Now, when I, in December, I'm going duck hunting. I'm taking my Benelli. When I go back to Tennessee, I'm taking my deer rifle. I just left with my bow. In other words, there are different ways of doing things. There is not just one type of prayer, and that's just slinging stuff out in heaven. There are types of prayer, and he says praying with all kinds of prayer in the Spirit. And, and Brother Hagen made this statement. If you get on a football field and you go down there and ask where the bases are, they're going to ask you what's wrong with you. There are no bases on the football field. And if you drop the football and start kicking it like a soccer ball, they're going to haul you off. Because ball is not ball. There's soccer ball, football, tennis balls, softballs, baseballs, ba basketball, bowling balls, and all the balls are played with different rules. There are different rules to prayer. And the church has really not understand this whole thing. That's why they come in to a prayer meeting. And I'm going to get on to this again now. So y'all just hold your hats. When you walk into a prayer meeting, I'm talking about in this church, this is not a time for your private conversations with God. Do that at home. This is a different kind of prayer meeting. In the book of Acts, they lifted their voice. If I can't hear you praying, I'm going to sit down beside you and pray and get you to open your mouth and get over a spirit of timidity. And if you're afraid to pray in front of people, then get up in the altar and ask God to forgive you for having a spirit of fear and pride. Boy, now y'all, I'm sorry. Just play another blessing. There are kinds of prayer meetings. And when you're dealing with the devil, you're not doing it in a consecration to God prayer. All right. Now see, that's, and a lot of people don't understand that. They think there's only one kind of prayer, and that's the prayer of faith for me. The prayer of faith is, is whatever you desire, you believe, you receive, you have. Who are you praying about? You that's not when you are praying about someone else. I had a man, Lisa went online, and, and uh, some of y'all may know who this is, and please don't get mad at me. He said, well, you don't, uh, you, know, you don't have to make all that noise when you're praying. Not when you're praying for yourself, you don't. 
But when you're praying for others, yes, you do. And the kind of people who go, no, I don't need to raise my voice. Well, you've never led anybody to the Lord either. And all you, all you just told me is that you are a self-centered Christian. You start praying for someone other than yourself, you're going to make some noise when you pray. And, you know, and you don't have to. Yeah, you kind of do. But anyway, I'll explain that in a minute. Now, now E.W. Kenyon makes this statement. He says, there are kinds of prayer, and, and he said it this way. There is simple petition. There is persistent, tenacious prayer. Um, in the Ephesians, it says the Epaphroditus who labors fervently for you in prayer until Christ is formed in you. Amen. Now, I'm going to stop and make a statement to you, and you may not like this. There are people that you know in your home that will never grow up until someone does some praying for them. Because just because your spirit man is alive and you're born again does not mean you matured. And there are people who are stuck in a babyhood stage because no one ever prayed for them. They're either learn to pray for themselves and come to a church like this, or you're going to have to take up their case and start praying because you're sitting around going, my God, I mean, how old are you? You're 30 and you still act like you're 12. What's wrong with you? Well, what's wrong is that you're not praying because they are stuck in 12. So Epaphroditus, one of you, is praised that Christ would be formed in you. There's more to prayer than just getting someone born again. Boy, thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Church is more than just getting people saved and ready for heaven. There's more to this than I'm just on my way to heaven. Now, we, we might have time to get into that. There's another kind of prayer called prevailing prayer. Now, I can't, I don't know why this is. And if I knew it, I would tell you, and I don't know the answer to it. There have been times in my life where I've prayed stuff for months before I got an answer. And I'm not talking about I'm asking God over and over and over. It's just like all hell is trying to stop me from getting an answer to that. Or Satan is contesting my right to it. And, it, and, and a lot of times that it comes with you praying for another person. Maybe they are digging their heels in and you're having to stay on it in prayer until the Holy Ghost is able to get them. You need to lighten up and turn to God. Right. Now, that's why it seems like you, you have to pray. I think it was um, Pat Boone's wife says she, she literally wore the carpet out of the end of the bed praying for the, the Boone kids. And she came to Raymond one time, was, pre, was teaching. And she said, she became, if, if you're a mother, you're going to learn something after you have your children. You have a new job. It's called pray. Because they are going to try to screw their life up. And, 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 and let me make another statement to y'all. Just, just do, do what you want to with this. You are living in a hostile environment. We'll get into this Halloween. There are demons in the air around you all the time. You're living in a hostile world. There are demons after your kids, after you, after your head. Am I the only one in this church that ever had trouble with their head? 
Am I the only one that ever had battles in my mind? Maybe I'm it. Maybe I'm the only person that ever had thoughts hitting my head like waves of the ocean pounding me trying to. Am I the only one? Does anybody else in here have the guts to say me too? Amen. Listen, we need to, listen, you, there's, you're not a bad person because you have a bad thought, but you can't just let the devil run over you. You've got to learn to walk in the spirit and then you've got to learn to walk in fellowship with God and you're not going to do it without a prayer life. And I'm not talking about five minutes on the, in the morning before you leave. I'm talking about all day long when you're walking around worshiping God and praying and praying in the Holy Ghost. Because we live in a negative world. I mean, it's just around us. But he gave us everything we need to be victorious in the world. He said, greater is he that is inside of you than he that's in the world. And you know what? He came to live inside of you, but he would like to come out and play sometimes. He'd like to come out sometimes and help you with your life. And he's not going to if you're not going to have a prayer life. Now, that means you and I have a greater work to do. Prayer is a whole lot more than Sunday night or uh, five minutes in the morning before you leave and take off out of the house. I mean, it's a life. That is, if you want to live victoriously, it's a life. All right, there's another kind of prayer called battle prayer. And um, I, I call it intercessory prayer. And I've had times, and I, I almost hate to even touch on this because I don't, I'm not equipped to go into it in depth. I've had times when I've prayed, groaned in the Holy Ghost, wept and cried. Now, I don't do that every time I pray. You can't make yourself have a baby. You know, when a woman's pregnant and having a baby, she's going to make some noise because she's having a baby. You're just not going to say, you're just not going to lay there like you're on Facebook while you're having a baby. It just ain't happening. And and there's times you're going to get into prayer if you never have. Don't get in condemnation, but don't tell me that what I've been through is not true. I know better. Because my sister died and went to hell, and I prayed her up out of hell that way. And there have been times when the Holy Spirit has taken me off in a corner, and I have just sat back and prayed and groaned in the Holy Ghost. I had no idea what I was praying about. Somebody's life. When I was at Rhema going to Bible school, we used to have... um, a prayer night, and I had two girls, and uh, there was a black girl and a white girl. It was all I remember, and they wore candy striper uniforms. You know, they worked at the hospital. And they would see me, and we would sit down together, the Indian style, and then they would give us papers of people who sent requests in to Rama for prayer. Well, I remembered one night, I decided to lay my hands on about five of them at one time. Don't do that. You don't want to pray for five people all at one time. I went into intercession. And in my mind, I'm thinking, somebody help me. <laughs> I'm having a baby over here. And I am weeping and groaning. And, and um, when, I, when I finished and got finished, I started laughing in the Holy Ghost. And I flipped one of them over. And it said, dying of cancer. And I went, oh, glory to God. But I know that I prayed through for them. Amen. Now, you may not understand that. Don't throw it away because you don't understand it. Amen. I'm going to say something to you all. I don't care who you are. I don't care if your name's Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Myers, or Andrew Womack. There's things you don't know. Amen. That's true. Don't you ever act like 
You have your favorite Bible teacher who knows all. You don't have one. Amen. The Holy Ghost knows all. Paul said, I see through a glass darkly. That's the Apostle Paul. Now, I'm not diminishing Brother Hagin or Copeland or Andrew or Joyce or anybody. I'm not diminishing them at all. But they're people. And it, after a while, you, you, it's, not, it's not negative to, to, to find out that your favorite Bible teacher is not God. Now, that's heavy for some people because when I first got born again, it was the hardest thing to, was to deal with Ramagrads who thought that if Brother Hagin said it, it was Scripture. Don't shout me down. And you almost idolize a person. All he did was point us to Jesus. Point us to the Word of God. God don't want you following a man. Smith Wigglesworth said this before he died. He said, the Lord will take me home soon. Someone says, why? He says, because men seek Smith and no longer Jesus. You don't you ever become enamored with a man. That's, that's idolatry. Don't do it. Amen. All right. Oh, I don't want to go that direction. I'm going to anyway. Let me read something to you from uh, this book. Um, and and I, I was going to apologize for reading books to you, but I don't. There's a man when I get to heaven, uh, other than Paul, is, is E.W. Kenyon. Um, he's done so much. His, his, when he writes something, sometimes you read a page. It's just like, well, that's about all I can read today. <laughs> it buries my brain. But he's just, you know, there's so much in this. There's other men, Andrew Murray and other people I read after their books, and Smith Wigglesworth really enjoy their life. But uh, Kenyon's one of them, and he's wrote this book on prayer. And I read it because it inspires me to pray. And when I'm, sometimes I'm not praying like I should. And I'm kind of neglecting it. So I pick up his book and start reading it. And he fires me up to do what I know to do. I found out that just because I knew something doesn't mean I know it. I just, for whatever reason, we hear a sermon and a month later, we've forgotten everything we ever learned about that. I'm not the only one, am I? Okay. All right, listen to this. Life will never mean much to you outside of God's will. The big thing of life is to be in the will of God the Father. You say, I was never called to give myself to a life of prayer. No, you may not have been set apart by the Spirit for that special ministry, but I think it would be wise for you to spend enough time in prayer to get acquainted with your Father, Luke 18.1. There's only two ways of getting acquainted with God, through the Word and by prayer. If you don't take time to pray, you're losing out. You can't say, I have no responsibility in the prayer life. Yes, you do. To see a need is a call to prayer. There are people, now listen to this statement, who will be utterly lost unless you take your place. Now, I'm going to stop right there because that's an area that we have a hard time hearing. There are people in your life that they don't know God and no one's praying for them. I have never led a person to the Lord in my life that I didn't find out someone was praying for them. Amen. 
Now, you've had people you walked up and tried to witness to. And the door were closed. You know what that means? Nobody's praying. The Spirit of God's not drawing them. Now, God wants to draw them. But he's unable to because no one's praying. You can't just walk around and just kind of do the, you know, the pass out the track and, and mark your gun and I got them saved. I'm not big on that. Because who's, who's taking over? Who's discipling? Who's taking care of these people? Now, are there people who outwitting the lost and people get saved? Yes, they are. But I'm not going to stop them from doing that because at least they're doing something. But personally, I prefer to spend some time with the person, get them born again, talk to them, get them in church. But I've never led anybody to the Lord that I didn't find out later who someone was praying. And the people that I couldn't talk to, no one was praying. So the moment I started praying, they became easy to talk to. Now, this is hard for us to hear. You are responsible for your children. If they're not close to God... You are responsible for that. I'm just going to be quiet a minute. I'm going to let it sink. It takes a long time for water to get through concrete. If things are not going well in your home, now I'm not saying every bad thing that happens to you is, but, but you, you know, it's easy to say, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I pay my tithes, I love Jesus. It's Ozzy and Harriet world. And you're just flopping through life like it's one big beach trip. And it isn't. There's a devil, and he has full intentions on killing you and taking your children to hell unless you get real darn serious and quit playing your Christian game. And you say, why'd you say that word? Because I don't think that you guys listen to anything unless I add an adjective to it. But you'll never forget that. He said, darn, I can't believe he said, darn. We'll go home and say, he almost said something else. Just <laughs> So, I mean, I think sometimes people need a little slap upside the head. If you're not asking him about your kids, they're going prayerless. Yes. We could just stop right here and just think about it for a month. That's a heavy statement. That, that kind of woke me up. Terry, why would you take my book out of my hand? I knew you wanted to steal it. But that's the thing that started me thinking. I love my kids, but I haven't prayed for them like I should. I love my grandsons, but I'll tell you, I haven't prayed for them like I should. I love this church, but I'll be honest with you, I haven't prayed for this church like I should. So statements like this, I read them to myself because it helps me to stop and go, you might want to spend some time praying over some of these people you know. Amen. Instead of just blowing it off and got, I'm busy. Don't shout me down. I'm preaching better than you amen in, but that's all right. Unless you do your part, men will cry against you through eternity. You cannot plead that you have too much work to do. You can pray while you work. You can't put up the plea, you don't know how. You can learn if you wanted to. For you to disobey the prayer call is for you to disobey the call of your father. The prayer responsibility today is the most important thing in your life. Thank you. It really is. This nation needs prayer. We saw God moving. And I know people who go, well, I didn't like the outcome of the last election. Well, let me just tell you this to you. 
you, and I'm, this is my opinion. I'd rather have loudmouth Trump than the wicked witch of the North. Maybe this nation needed someone to kick backsides and take names. I don't know. I'm not God. But I know one thing. I'm, I'm not pro-homosexual. I'm not, I'm not against homosexual people. If I'm, I want them to get saved and come to Jesus, I don't hate anybody. But I'm not pro-abortion. I'm not pro-socialism or communism. Folks, if y'all think, if anybody you know thinks it's that great, send them to Venezuela. Right? Just send them to Venezuela. I was talking to a guy one day. He said, I came from Cuba, and I'm, de- I'm a Democrat, and if it wasn't for the Democrats, I wouldn't. I said, don't bring communism over here, you numb nut. It's what you left for. No, I didn't make any friends right there, and I just know. It's your responsibility to find out what's going on in the nation, and it's a whole lot bigger than what they're telling you on the news. I want to say it to you in one word. It's called New World Order, guys. Yes. Yes. Wake up and smell the coffee. That's, right. That's exactly what's going on. You are really living in the last days, and there really is a devil, and he is really trying to, to, to dump this nation. And what the founding fathers gave us, this is not about Democrat, Republican, black, white, or Spanish, or, or legals. It's about righteous versus unrighteous. It's about the gospel being preached. And we've got to preserve that. All right. When I say those things, people either go, I love him, I I, I hate that guy. And I'm fine with both of those because they, Jesus says, well, if all men speak well of you, and I just don't want that well. Okay. You know, unless preachers get vocal, I'm telling you, I'm so tired of cowardly preachers. I, I'm just gutless, spineless. When we had the prayer breakfast down here, I had used the name of Jesus. It is not against the law to be a Christian. And you're afraid to take a little heat because you prayed in the name of Jesus and somebody might not like it. I'm sorry. You know, when I, whenever the Lord asked me to pastor, this is the one thing that I feared. I don't take, I just don't take a lot of crap off of people. And, and I, I had a hard time believing that you could pastor a church with my personality. <laughs> I just, no, I'm being serious. I, I just never have been just... I, I mean, it just, and I see all these preachers, and they're so sweet. Yeah. And I'm going, I will never look like that in my life. Okay, that's just enough of that. Okay. Listen to this statement. Do you realize there are men and women who are defeated and breaking down in their businesses, their homes, and their spiritual lives because we have not prayed. Uh, Then he says this, let me change that statement because you haven't prayed. Now let's stop right there. All of us are guilty right now. Every one of us in this room is guilty. 
I stand before you and tell you I'm guilty. Is, is. I've had things in my family that I have not dealt with in prayer and let it go. I just, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And then I went, isn't that sad? They got a divorce. Isn't that sad? That teenager fell away from God. Isn't that sad? It is sad. But it's sad now on my end. Because I didn't even go to God in prayer about it. Now, I'm going to confess my sins, and I'm not even Catholic. (laughs) Father Tim. Are you all out there? Did you go home? Now, I told the Lord the other day, I said, I'm repenting of this. I'm changing this. this, I'm going to turn into a praying machine. Now, that doesn't mean I'm praying all day like a monk in a monastery. But I am waking up in the morning, and, 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 and the Lord said this to me the other day, and I told Lisa, I have never used a prayer list. But the Lord showed me that with some people, it might be advantageous to have a prayer list because you're having a hard time following God. So maybe you need a prayer list until you can hear from God. So I'm making me a prayer list where I'm putting the church on it. I'm putting my daughters on it. I'm putting Cody, my grandson, Tyler, my grandson on it. I'm putting my granddaughters, Rachel and Reagan on it. I'm putting Joshua, Justin, Jordan, Lisa on it. I'm putting this church on it. I'm putting my family members, Lisa's family on it. And I'm praying it whether it's wrote or not. Because sometimes maybe if you can't do it any other way, just duty. Just if, if duty is the only way God can get you to pray, start off in duty. And so I started praying just because I don't want it on my conscience that I didn't pray. I didn't think about that. So I'm starting to pray instead of assuming that they listen to the CD I sent them. Listen to the CD and pray. Come on, be a doer of the word of God. Well, not everybody does it. Even I don't do everything I know. I wished I did. Somebody said, I want to learn something new. I don't. I still, I'm still trying to do what I know. <laughs> Just doing what I know to do is enough. So, so listen to this. I'm going to read it again because it's heavy. That's why I got the little paper. I want to read it to you. Let me change it. You hadn't prayed. There's people, you're sitting here, right? you have not prayed over that. All right. You have been occupied with pleasures, your dreams, men and women staggering under the burdens you should have carried and they're breaking down. Oh my God, have mercy on us. As you read this, do not let it simply awaken you to the moment, but let your prayers become like eating and your business of you and your home. If you are a mother or wife and you live at home, there are certain duties you perform every day for your family. The greatest duty you'll ever perform for your family is the prayer duty. It may no longer be a privilege for you. You have thrown that privilege away. You've ignored it. Now it has become a stern duty. That's what I was saying. You must go back to your prayer closet and begin anew. Do not take 
forsake your family and the boys and girls for the sake of your home and church, and God will honor you. Children are growing up in Christians' home without the restraining power of God over their lives. The reason is apparent. Mothers and fathers have failed in the responsibility of their prayer life. I call on you men and women who you and who are to blame for the crime of lawlessness and youth in this generation. He wrote this a hundred years ago. Oh, Lord. <laughs> He'd roll over in his grave. He's all. Now go and ask God to forgive you and take your responsibility and do it now. That's a powerful reading, isn't it? So what are we going to do now? Listen, we need to start praying. How are we doing for time? Good. Um, I want to I do something now. Go to 1 Corinthians 10.10 10 because I want to talk about prayer and, and cover a couple of aspects of prayer before we get started and then get back into the Holy Ghost and, and uh, we'll, we'll close because I'm not going to be able to get finished tonight. 1 Corinthians 10.10. 10. Lisa touched on something last week because the Bible says, I will enter his gates with what? With thanksgiving. You can never let prayer become such a stern duty that you're not thankful. I will enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving in my heart. To the degree you're thankful. And you need to always enter his presence. You've got you've to understand you're entering in the presence of God Almighty. And you're not just barreling in there with a psalm story crying. You're going to start off by going, have I thanked you for Jesus? Have I thanked you for the blood? Have I thanked you for the right to enter your presence? Have I thanked you? Have I thanked you for your goodness and your mercy today? And the fact that Jesus made a way for me to enter into your presence. Have I thanked you for the life of God? that's in me and the Holy Spirit who lives in me and helping me out right now. You always start off your prayer with thanksgiving and you always end it with thanksgiving and you always walk out with a good attitude and never look sucking lemons. Now let me make a statement to all of you mighty deep intercessors. You are not spiritual because you are sad. I'm fixing to unload something heavy on you. When you get through praying for your children, do not walk out with the care on you. I went to talk to God about my kids. They're all going to hell. I thought you talked to God about it. Well, then get a smile on your face and shut up, Mac. That's why Jesus made a statement. He says, when you fast, anoint your head and do not appear to men. Don't walk around acting spiritual like, oh, my God, I'm a prayer warrior. Oh, don't think I hadn't seen people in this church look like, oh, women praying all day. Well, I can tell you, you never got in the throne room because the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you're in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. Yeah, you went in there with a problem. You are supposed to leave it in the throne room and come out with some joy on you. If you're in the presence of God, your face needs to look like you've been in the presence of God. <laughs> now, when you see me dancing wildly on Sunday morning, that's when I'm having the most trouble. 
If you see me up here today, you're going, he going through something right now. He going through something. <laughs> because I enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. There are things that are impossible to turn without the help of God. And you will never turn it without prayer. You worry all you want to. Until you take up prayer, there are things you will never see turned. Now, I'm, I'm running out of time, so I want to talk about the Holy Ghost for a minute. Go to, go to, go to Romans chapter 8. I got I to change my little bit in my sermon right now. It's okay. Lisa and I just got back from... Mark Hankins was preaching this morning down in Kissimmee, and he did a leadership meeting. It was a closed meeting. Um, we were able to take Shantae and Maybell with us um, and Justin. Um, but, he, but he spent some time talking about praying in the Spirit. And even though we've talked about this many times in this church, I want to go over this one more time. It says, no, Romans 8, 26. I didn't give you that in the notes, so that's why you don't have it up there. And so I apologize to you. Look at this scripture. Likewise, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weaknesses. Now, Lisa, what did he say the weaknesses meant? The Holy Spirit helps you with major infirmities. And he said, this is the picture. You're in a pit and you can't get out. And there are people in pits. The, The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses for you do not know how to pray as you ought to. Why is that? Now, remember, let's go back to what I said a while ago. It seems as though God can do nothing but someone ask him. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to dive into something here, and I'm going to mess up everybody in the room's theology. I'm just going to trash your, I'm going to plow your field so, so sideways and then funny. Go to the next scripture, please, and then we're going to come back to this one. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind and spirit is. He makes intercession with saints according to the will of God. Go to the next one. And we know all things work together for the good. The damn I love the Lord, calling corn to his purpose. Now, you listen to me. Listen to me real good. Every stupid thing in your life is not working for your good. You cannot divorce that scripture from the one before that. He said, if you're praying with the help of the Holy Ghost, everything that the Holy Ghost is helping you pray about is going to turn to good. Everything he's helping you pray about. If you're not praying about it in the Holy Ghost, it ain't working for your good. 
And so the next time you hear a TV evangelist stand up and say, well, we know all things work for your good. Just look in the TV and do a Daryl. That's a cop-out that says I'm just going to lay down and let the devil beat the mud out of me. All right, now go back to Romans. Okay, go back to Romans 8, 26. I'm sorry, I just, I just almost wish Bible teachers would read the Bible, just read the thing. I'm sorry he had to take an old dope-smoking hippie and make a pastor out of him. But I was so dumb, I actually thought you had to read the Bible to preach it. All right, let's go now. The likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. He will help you. You do not know how to pray as you ought to. That means that very often what you're dealing with is not the problem. Oh, man, I wish I had time to stay on this thing. It just You're dealing with most of the time the fruit, not the root. You're dealing with a symptom. You're not dealing with the problem at all. But the Holy Ghost knows what the problem is. Why do you think God gave him to you? The reason you don't pray in the Spirit more, it takes faith to do it. And your mind has been in control of your life. You are a spirit. You're not a mind. You're a spirit. And when you're praying in tongues, time since you started praying. There are some things you're going to get prayed out of your head, but your head is limited by a mile, if not a thousand. The knowledge base you have in your head of the problem is very minimal and usually based on emotions. But your spirit man is the real you and the Holy Ghost is inside of the real you, the spirit man. The part of you that's going to heaven when you die is your spirit, not your flesh. And so God wanted your spirit to pray. And praying in the Holy Ghost is the only time you're praying perfectly. But yet your mind fights you. Now, I'm I'm in a, this is a charismatic, faith and word, tongue talking, devil chasing, holy rolling church. That's what this is. And I still have trouble getting y'all to pray in the spirit. I can't imagine what it'd be like to pastor a, a Presbyterian church. Are y'all out there? Did you go? I mean, I mean, he gave you and I an ability beyond the world. If you're in the military and you have F-16s, A-10 warthogs, nuclear bombs, and you're getting defeated, you're not using them. There's only one way America would ever get beaten in a war is we just do nothing. But if we go to war, if we go to war, North Korea has one bomb. We have a thousand. You do not want to jump on us. 
That is stupid. So when Kim Yong Chong Jong Wong Ching got an offer by President Trump to make a little money, he jumped on it. I don't know his name. I guess you just figured that out. I know it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend you. But the only way you're going to whip us is if we do nothing. And the only way you can whip you, the only way the devil can whip you, only way, is for you to do nothing. You, you, you have did the, is the Holy Ghost God? Yes. Did he or did he not get Jesus out of hell? Yes. Could you think that he could get you out of hell? Yes. Oh, he, dealt, he got Jesus out of hell with all the devils, and you only have one little wimpy one. You got two? You got two wimpy ones. And you think he could get... I'm sorry, Tiff, I'm messing with you. I won't mess with you more. Rosa, do you think he could help you with your two wimpy devils? Oh, yeah. So the only way for the devil to whoop you and to drag your kids to hell is for you to not do anything. When he told you that he would pray through you and help you in all your weaknesses and then everything would work for your good. Everything will turn around for the good. But you know, tongue-talking, devil-chasing, holy rollers have a hard time sitting down and praying more than three or four minutes. I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't know. I didn't feel. I didn't feel. I, I, I didn't feel it. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's a mystery how God can live in me and me not feel him. That is a mystery. I have always wondered how the God of the universe could live in me and I don't feel him. But he said he's in there. But I've had times in prayer when the Holy Ghost hooked. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you know what I'm talking about? It's when you're praying along in English and you're praying along, Shandai, Shandai, tie my bow tie. And all this, and you're on to something. And you don't know what you're praying about, but you're on to hallelujah. And you, and you just go, you just have to in your mind stay in faith and go, I don't know what we're dealing with, but apparently the Holy Ghost thinks this is something we need to be doing. Because he's fixing something, and I don't even know what he's fixing. This one message would change you forever if you just did it. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. I wonder if that had anything to do with his ministry being so great. I feel like the scarecrow. I had a thought. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if that had anything to do with why Smith Wigglesworth raised 38 people from the dead. I, I wonder if Kenneth Hagin saying that he prayed for sometimes an hour or two hours in the Holy Ghost. I wonder if that had anything to do with why his ministry went around the world. I wonder, 
I wonder if that's where the power was. Now, when you get to heaven, you won't need tongues because you don't have no devil there. So don't get up there and start looking to go to a prayer meeting. If you hear Spanish up there, it's Spanish, baby. It ain't tongues. Now, well, there's people, there's people in the planet right now that still don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, heaven speaking in tongues. And, I, and, and I'm, I'm aware of that. But I'm going to say this to you. You have God. You're born again. But you'll never walk in the light that belongs to you. That's right. That's right. It's for you. Yes, it is. It's not a Pentecostal thing. It's a God thing. Jesus commanded you, yes. don't leave Jerusalem until you're new with power from on high. He commanded it. Yes. He didn't ask you. He told you to. Yes. And I know that people have fought this for years, and, and Satan fights it. And he still fights you. Yes. You say, well, I tried it. No, you don't you ever try it. You do it. And when the devil attacks you and he says, what are you doing? You tried that before. You say, I'll try it again. I'm going to keep going, you dumb nut, you numb nut. I'm going to keep praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to close with this statement. If it wasn't for being filled with the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't be here. I'd be dead. If I did not practice what I'm preaching to you right this minute, I would be dead. I would not be here. Praying in the Holy Ghost is what got me out of a hospital when my appendix ruptured and I was full of gangrene. Full. That means that I had a problem that was bigger than I could handle. But when they gave, when they told me that I had congestive heart failure and wanted to put a pacemaker in me, I did not know how to pray. I would like to look at you and say, I had the faith. I didn't have it. Have you ever just not had the faith? Have you ever just looked at something and so I don't have a clue? I have no idea how to pray about this. Oh, yeah, baby. I've been there many times. And I told Lisa this the other night. I said, I have no idea what people do that don't know what we know. I'm having a hard time knowing what I know. I don't know how they're making it. And you younger people like Cody, you're young, but you might want to learn this now. Because I'll guarantee you if you want to get 65, you better learn to pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah. Amen. When I was young, I thought, oh, I'm bad to the bone. You ain't bigger and badder no devil jumps on you. I'm going to tell you right now. And all hell jumps on your head. Many a morning I woke up 4 o'clock in the morning in a cold sweat. The devil's on me. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And I'm laying there with a spirit of fear on me so strong I can't move. But I, he didn't tape my mouth shut. He's going to wake me up on praying the Holy Ghost. And the whole time I'm laying there, the devil's going, that ain't doing no good. And I go, well, don't worry about it. And there's times I never felt like it was doing anything. But, buddy, when I started watching God bring me out, I thought, well, I'm doing something. Does that help y'all? When I don't know how to pray, and that's been, that's been more often than I'd like to tell y'all. I'd like to tell you that I had Scripture on that, but there's times I don't have Scripture on it. 
I'd like to tell you that I got this, I got the faith for that and the name. I'd like to tell you that's not the case. There's times I didn't have an answer. I didn't have any idea what to do. When Lisa and I went through the thing in the cabin, I, I didn't think that many bad things could happen to a human. Until it dawned on me, this is straight from hell. I mean, Josh blew his car up. Justin blew his car up. The workers busted all of our windows out. We, didn't, we couldn't get a loan from the bank to finish the house, and the house is rotten in the weather. People in the church, 68 people walked out the door, and I still don't have any idea why, but God told them to go. I'm pretty sure of that. And I'm not going to mention all the other stuff that happened that, but you just all, just, then I got AFib and went in the hospital and Lisa got sick and went in the hospital. Now you, you just, you just think, well, if one thing happened, it'd been bad, but and I had 10 things all at one time and I'm thinking, this ain't right. If it was one of them, I could pray about it. But what do you do when they've got 10 things from hell happening to you all at once? What do you do? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Because greater is he that is inside of me than he that is in the world. And when you don't know how to pray, and you know when you ain't got no money, you ain't got nowhere to go, you might as well pray in the Holy Ghost. You can't go out to dinner tonight, you ain't got no money. And you ain't got no friends and nobody inviting you over, you might as well stay home and pray in the Holy Ghost. And when nobody likes you, you might as well stay home and pray in the Holy Ghost. And when your car ain't running, you might as well just stay home and pray in the Holy Ghost. But you and I, y'all have watched watched God pull Lisa and I up out of the biggest mess we've ever seen in our life. But we learned the secret. And man, we ain't getting off it now. Man, matter of fact, we're, we're getting on the offensive. I'm waking up in the morning going, Shaw, where are y'all? Ha! <laughs> I went four minutes over. Please forgive me. Does this help you? Yes. Say this with me. Thank God, Thank God for the greater one in me. From this day forward, I will take up my responsibility to pray. For my nation, for my family, for my church, for myself. Because God is waiting on me to ask him some stuff. And if I don't know how to pray, the Holy Ghost will help me. And I will come out of this pit. Everything will work together for my good. Because I'm going to pray about it. In the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.